What's up, everyone? This is Everyday Seeker, and I'm your host, Rebecca Muir. You can find us on everydayseeker.net and on Facebook and Instagram. So definitely say hey. Um, Instead of just listening in, we have little snippets of interesting conversations we've had with our various guests and we post them um so it's like a way to get like a little teeny dose so yeah definitely connect with us love seeing what you guys are all up to as well in your daily lives and on your respective journeys (laughs) Um, i'm super stoked because today we have dallas thornton back to finish off our discussion on lucid dreaming which we began in episode 18 Um, dallas is a songwriter performer and producer and he is a self-proclaimed closet quantum theory nerd, a life enthusiast, an avid lucid dreamer, and he's now a documentary filmmaker as well. So um, welcome back, Dallas. It's so awesome <laughs> to have you back. <laughs> Thanks. It's great yeah. to be back. It's nice and to lots, hear your voice. Yeah, lots has happened since we last spoke, too, because you just graduated from Berkeley College of Music. Um, so congratulations. Thank you very much. Yeah, and you're about to head off to Europe to film your documentary on happiness. Yes. So we'll give some more details about that later on. Um, but yeah, in our last podcast episode, we talked a lot about just some crazy mind-bending metaphysical concepts and the nature of consciousness and just so much. So if you didn't listen to that, I definitely respect or or. Uh, recommend going back and peeping episode 18 just yeah, to but, kind of but we respect your uh, you know your your ability to skip around as well <laughs> of course yes good point good point because you you can definitely jump in here as well um, I just don't want you to miss out because <laughs> there's so much that that Dallas said um, in the first part that was just kind of like super mind explosive at least to me so <laughs> we definitely went way down the rabbit hole Um, But we didn't even get to half the things that you wanted to share. And um, just as we were trailing off on on part one, you were saying, okay, there's healing trauma from past experiences, getting to know yourself, being a happy person, how to teleport, (laughs) what it's like to meditate inside of a dream. I mean, these are just like some of the things that we could talk about today. And I know you have have also um, some notes as well. But the most fascinating thing to me about what you said before was the healing trauma part. Yeah, I think that that is super relevant to me personally, and I'm sure to most people that have existed on planet Earth, um, <laughs> especially anybody that's probably listening to this podcast is a seeker of sorts or is, you know, looking for answers, looking for a ways to just improve their lives. And many of us have done what the New Age community will call shadow work. Um, and we've we've managed to heal some things or partially heal them, but we're always looking for more insight on how we can just improve our experience of life. So when you said you can heal trauma from lucid dreaming, you had my attention. (laughs) So yeah, I don't know where you want to, where you want to start with that, but take it and run. Cool. Um, yeah. So some, uh, some some ways that you can do it would be to, um, you know, once you're lucid, you can manifest your inner child, for example. Um, you can speak to him or her, and um, you could manifest your parents. You could speak to them. You could speak to, you know, a bully from your past, whatever. Um, so there's, there's this idea that um, once you learn how to manifest a thing in your dreams, you can manifest people as well. Um, but 
just remember that no matter what you do in dreaming or in waking life, you're only ever interacting with yourself. Um, and that's, that's a, a very necessary principle, I think, to healing um, in, in all wakes of life. Mm-hmm. The recognition that no matter what you do, you're only ever interacting with yourself. You could be interacting with another person and think that they're hurting you, but they, you know, nobody has ever hurt you. You've only ever hurt yourself by allowing um, that reality, that, um, those words, those concepts, those things to sink into you and to take that in uh, on your own. Are you speaking specifically of the dream state right now or of life? <laughs> I'm speaking of life. In okay. General. Yeah. I'm like, because I think there's a definitely a parallel there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. All the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so, um, but so I would say that the easiest way, even before you, you are, you know, up on your manifesting skills and all that kind of thing. Cause that, you know, that can be, um, I, I think that healing trauma should, should kind of be number on number one on the priorities list, more or less. Um, so the, the easiest way to find and true, true, uh, to find and heal your trauma is to just be still for a few minutes before bed, um, either sitting in meditation or just laying there intensely before dozing off and just give yourself a talk. Um, give permission to yourself to allow to come up whatever trauma or emo- emotional blockage needs to come up and say something to the tune of, I'm ready to peel away this next layer of the emotional onion. Uh, show me the way. However painful, I'm ready. And if you're really ready, and, and you may not be, it's, uh, it's a, you know, life is a process, um, but the more intentful and conscious you are with it, um, the more that you can really speak to yourself honestly and truly, um, the more you, w- you will be ready, and you will 100%, without a doubt, face what you need to face. So... Uh, my advice would be, be conscious, uh, have intent, understand that the dreams that come next after you know you have this this prayer, they are significant, um, regardless of whether or not you you are ready. Um, what is that? What is that? Noise. noise. I'm sorry. I think it's my fridge. <laughs> okay. Cool. Apologies. Well, as long as it's not the uh, Dallas, you're, you're rambling. Um, no, positive. no, my God. Oh, my God, no. <laughs> that would be awesome. Totally... No, no, please carry on. Sorry. I mean, usually in my old New York apartment, it was the radiators that would come on and be screaming loud or then the sirens because it's New York. Oh, so yeah. So now I'm like on the side of a mountain in Santa Clarita, California, and my fridge is <laughs> wreaking <laughs> havoc. <laughs> Sorry about that. No, 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 not at all. Um, I just wanted to give you a hard time. As you were uh, saying, though. Yeah, so um, the dreams that you have next, um, they, they are significant. Whether or not they seem significant, um, they are significant because it's your brain's process of working itself out. So stay conscious, stay intentful, and all of the answers will come because, and I stress this again, no matter what you do in dreaming or in waking life, you're only ever interacting with yourself. So yeah, so you, you, you may experience um, some pretty heavy nightmares. Um, I, wanna, I don't want to go in depth about you know, my own personal experience because when it comes to, to these kinds of things, that can be pretty darn personal. But um, I've definitely had some really blissful experiences when I've, I've asked and allowed. But um, you have to be ready for you know, some really terrible kind of nightmarish uh, sequences because the dark is the dark, you know. 
But um, one thing that, that I can say is that um, dreams recur because they're, um, it's the cyclical process, these thoughts that, that um, need to come up. And by trying to wake yourself out of a dream and, and try to, try to you know, not face them, well, that's just like not having the dream. And so if you have a nightmare and it affects you um, in a way that you turn and run, then you'll continue to have that, that nightmare scene. But if you ask for it and you allow it to come and you experience the whole thing and you understand that it is an answer to the question that you were asking, whether it was out loud or, or, or just a question that, that has been on your mind about, okay, wow, what is this, this blockage that I feel? What is this kind of pit in my stomach that every so often you know, it leads me to, to do things that are, that are not good for yourself? Like, um, like uh, you know, uh, I love a good cocktail. I love two good cocktails. But then if I'm going through something that, that needs trauma, I'll, I'll think like, Oh man, yeah, I'll, I'll just keep keep on drinking, or I'll keep on smoking, or I'll keep on doing you know something that's um, it, it crosses a certain line, and it's driven by something other than just you know enjoying your time uh, on Earth. Right. So when yeah, so uh, when you when you're feeling that kind of thing, there's something that needs to come up. So then that would be the question, and and you you might ask that very question like, well, what is this thing that I I keep feeling like I need to to push down or suppress, and that's what will come up. In, in the dreaming state. Sure will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But the good news is that if you do that uh, sufficiently, as in if you face the dream and you allow it to happen, you, know, you may wake up crying or, or what have you, but you'll only have it once. You'll only ever experience that, that piece of trauma once. Everything, no matter, no matter how deep it is, um, need only come up once. And that's that's of course just by my personal experience. I don't know how uh, how how many uh, ways that could deviate in somebody else's reality, but that's been my experience. That if I really face it, whatever it is, and there are lots of its, um, as we as we unpeel the emotional onion, um, but whatever it is, you only need to face it once. And I guess I think um, I just wonder how to face it. So um, that sometimes is the question. So a few years ago now, I guess, like, it was like when I was living in Boston, the last few years I lived there, I had a series of, well, it wasn't the same dream, but it was the same thing that would happen over and over again. And it was like haunting me. It was like a relationship that I had been in years before had ended very suddenly, and I never got closure. And so I would just dream about this every night like obsessive like I mean it's this is like really vulnerable for me to to share this because I wasn't obsessing about it in my daily life I'm the kind of person that I was like I you know I did my best to let go of it and I moved on and so every night and I remember and like I would I would talk to Jamie knows about this you know um my my best friend in Boston and and I would just share this with her and I'd wake up just heartsick the next morning like I was taken right back to it and I remember just being so frustrated because I wanted these dreams to stop and I I wanted to attack it like you know I'm an Aries so I'm like how do I fix this like what can I do yeah. um and I just couldn't 
uh, get them to stop. And I eventually wound up contacting the person looking, you know, to just to get some closure on some things. And I, I'm not sure that that, I think maybe that sort of did it. I don't know. It took a while for the dreams to stop. Um, and I just, I remember just being very frustrated with that because I, I suppose I wish we had had this conversation like six or seven years ago when I was going (laughs) through this, um, about how to become lucid in the dreams. But because when I was a in the dreams, I was quite unconscious. So I wasn't able to like take control and consciously face the situation or get whatever I needed. Hence the fact that it kept fucking haunting me every single night. Yeah, you know? uh, um, yeah. So sorry, that's a little bit of a tangent, but I'm just curious then um, this kind of would bring into play some of it, the, the dreaming practice. So yeah. um, how to, to, I don't know, set a practice up so that you can become lucid in the dream and then hopefully face the things? Or do you think there's a way to work this out if you're not lucid? Um, those are all great questions. Sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, would say, I would say that um, the, so the practice of being, we talked about this a little bit last time, that the process of being lucid, lucid is... Um, is a waking and a dreaming practice. It's not just one, one, one or the other. Um, so, you know, I, I, I don't know your your case exactly. You know, um, I can't know. All I can know is is my experience, not necessarily what you're witnessing. But, um, but I think that there's something fundamental here that that um, that I can attempt at least from from my experience to 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 try to um, shed some light on, which would be that um, to be really intentful about um, about what it, what healing means to you. So we say, um, oh, let's get over this person who we love kind of thing. But, but I believe that we fall in love because we have a lesson to learn from somebody. And we only fall out of love when that lesson isn't what we need to be learning at that, at that point in our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so there are a couple of... of um, ways to approach the situation then perhaps getting over somebody means finding another avenue to learn that lesson because the the cost benefit of learning the lesson from that person um is just in favor of of the cost and not the benefit right <laughs> and that that can be tough you know you really have to peel the band-aid away and say man that seems like such a great way to learn that but it's also poisonous you know so like uh, for example um Public speaking is easier when you um, maybe drink some alcohol, right? But also, alcohol is a poison. So, so at what point can you say black and white? Oh, alcohol is positive. Well, uh, maybe there's an easier way to to be able to public speak, and that is uh, practice and, and hard work. Well, that's certainly not the uh, the easier answer, but it's definitely the more healthy answer. Yeah, and you want to see progress. Like that's the biggest thing is if you're trying to work through something, it's like if you're not if there's no progress, then <laughs> Obviously, yeah. that particular path is not, yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah, so um, relationships are a sticky business. Um, but I think that, um, you know, for example, talking, you know, closure is a very real thing. Talking to that person is a very necessary thing. Um, but how that can relate to dreaming is, you could have had, it sounds like the dreams have stopped. Am I right about oh, that? Oh, yeah, a long time ago. Okay. Um, but it was like, a, I mean, it was, they, they went on for a long time. So, yeah. Well, so the, the idea with that, you know, that um, 
no matter what you do in dreaming or waking life, you're only ever interacting with yourself mm -hmm. is important in that whether you talk to them in real life or you talk to them in the dreaming life or whatever they represent for you, that lesson learned, you learn some other way, all three of those avenues are the same thing and that will cause the dreams to stop. So when the dream comes up, um, one way of, of dealing with it would be to, uh, to achieve lucidity in that dream which could be as simple as just recognizing, wow, this is a dream that I keep having. Mm -hmm. um, and then going into it and, and maybe willing yourself instead of at night going, oh, shit, I've been dreaming about this like all, every night this week. Hope I don't have that dream again. And then just sort of, because that's, that's a very passive way to let something come and attack you. Um, it's just, it's basically, it's, it's hiding in a sense, you know. Um, but if instead you say, um, okay, I'm ready to face this dream for the last time. And you, you know, you speak that out loud, and and you close your eyes, and you expect that dream. Then the next time that it comes, you'll understand. Ah, this is a dream, and that you have, you know, you're autonomous, and and you have your uh, control of the dream. It becomes something that you want to have, and you welcome it to your doorstep, and um, and you facing facing something like that is is literally just experiencing it and understanding that it's of your own creation. Um, and again, that's, that's dreaming and waking life. Experiencing it and recognizing, ah, this is of my own creation. And the minute that you do that, it, it, it may affect you emotionally, it may do whatever, but um, that, those, those feelings, those emotions will pass and you'll be left with only the, uh, the recognition that, um, that you can change your thoughts and that although this thing has existed for you in this story, that you are as, as happy, you are as affected or unaffected as, as you are practicing to be in your life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, exactly. I mean, even just you saying, bringing it back to the, the fact that everything that you interact with in a dream or in waking life is yourself like you i don't know you put that so much more eloquently how did you say it uh was it no matter what you do in dreaming or waking life you're only ever interacting with yourself yeah so even just when you opened up we opened up the podcast and you said that it was like a big um light i was just like like a space in my brain you know i was like wow mm. so it, it only takes you know, one little phrase like that just to cut through wow. sometimes um, and bring some relief. <laughs> mm. yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's lovely. Yeah, so thank you for that. Exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I guess then in terms of the practical approach to healing the trauma, you have to be able to lucid dream. Like you have to be able to actually do it. And um, we well, covered... Oh, sorry, well, go ahead. So well, so, sort of. I, I would say that you don't necessarily have to be able to lucid dream in the sense that, um, like, you're you're practicing, um, you know, being able to fly and, and doing all that stuff in your dreams. That stuff certainly helps. Um, but the I would say that the only key element is intent. So just recognizing, like, recognizing that you're having the dream. You don't necessarily right. Have to that's what I meant by it. I'm sorry. I guess I was just thinking of bringing consciousness into this unconscious part of yourself. Oh, okay. Just manifesting. So I guess Thank that's you. what I was thinking. I'm like, like recognizing that you're dreaming so that you can then make different choices. Gotcha. 
um, consciously in that state. And I know that you went through in the first podcast, you went through a bunch of different um, tools to kind of help, especially the journaling and recording your dreams and helping, you know, trying to remember them and and just the, all of those types of things are things that will help you to um, remember to ask yourself if you're dreaming all of the time or like just asking, you, you know, asking yourself all the time, am I dreaming? Am I dreaming? And then there's certain tips yeah. and tools he gave in the first in part one about how to do that. And then once you start doing that all the time, you'll be in a dream. You'll remember to ask yourself while you're in the dream and then you'll recognize that you are, in fact, dreaming. So yeah. things like that. Um, for sure, are, it's an important part, obviously, of, of being able to do any sort of healing work while in the dream state. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that's really, I don't know if you had anything that you were going to add to that or... I feel pretty good about that. <laughs> okay, great. Well, um, yeah, so listen back to, to part one, people, um, for those kind of tips. But um, what else did you want to talk about today? I thought we could talk um, a bit about how to trigger that awareness in dreaming because I think a lot of people, uh, that's one thing that frustrates people a lot is they're saying like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm you know, saying out loud before I go to sleep every night that I want to I wanna lose a dream and I wake up in the morning and I just, I'm just awake in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I probably dreamt, you know. Um, and it's like, I totally get how frustrating that can be because when I was, when I started doing my dreaming practice, I, I wasn't consistently lucid for, I mean, months. Are so, you now? So every night when you go to sleep, are you lucid? Well, um, no, is the short answer. Um, I go through periods where I am lucid every night, um, like multiple dreams a night, and it's awesome. And then I go through periods where uh, I'm just, I'm totally not focused on that. Um, and w- the, what I'm what I'm realizing more in my life is, lucidity is negatively correlated with stress so um mm. so the the more stress you know you're going through at work or in school or um you know familial or whatever it is the more the harder it will be to find lucidity and that makes sense you know when you think that uh, dreaming life and waking life are totally correlated because that's um when you're going through stress the feeling of stress is the feeling that you aren't in control of your environment, it's the worry that that maybe you're not totally autonomous. The worry that um, that something else may be bigger than you. It's like it's it's the you know fight or flight type of feeling, and so um, and so that that'll translate to your dreams too. You're you're um, you don't have this sort of Zen state of uh, of allowing things to pass one way or the other. You know your emotions and things. You start grasping. Uh, onto emotions or, or, you know, it triggers aversion of, of certain emotions and both grasping and aversion um, will kind of lead to that, uh, um, to, to fall with the, the, the Zen idea that it'll, it'll lead to sort of a the state of samsara, you know, this, the, the experience that, that the world is, is not yours to control, mm-hmm. which is the exact opposite of lucidity. Um, mm. So on the one hand, that means that it's harder to find lucidity in times of stress but it also means that working on lucidity can help alleviate stress levels. So it's a positive and a negative thing. Um, oh. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's definitely um, that's definitely one thing. Um, it, it's important to just have compassion for yourself in times where um, stress is kind of a 
a necessary, more or less a necessary element. Like, you know, you're finishing up your doctoral thesis or whatever. You can't beat yourself up over not being uh, lucid every night, you know. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess not. And I don't know if you are more tired when you wake up or if you feel just as well rested. You know, I've heard both sides of, of the story and I've, I've felt both sides of the coin. Um, often I will feel much more rested, um, mostly just because I wake up with an excitement of life. Um, <laughs> yeah. But the other thing is that if you, you know, like there are sort of two, two ways that it can go down. Um, you dream, generally speaking, in your REM state. Um, which is is closer to your waking state than deep sleep, where you're healing your body, but you're just in um, you know you're you're not dreaming. Um, although there is um, an interesting psychological thing that happens when when people can no longer um, dream and like have REM sleep, um, they'll start to dream in deep sleep. There's been some research done on that. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's pretty interesting because it supports the idea that everybody dreams no matter what. And um, and potentially, you know, if you if you don't dream, you you die because that's a, you know, that's a, um, uh, it's, it's just an interesting thought. Yeah, I remember an, a substitute teacher I had in seventh grade said that there was a. This is funny that I remember this, but there was somebody that stayed up for like many many days in a row. Basically, um, to, it was like a contest or something to see how long you could be awake. And by the end of it, like his waking life was a dream. Like monsters were coming out of the walls, and you know it was like hallucinations because the yeah. brain will do it anyway. Yeah, so, totally. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. But um, yeah. Anyway, uh, how do we get onto this topic? Novelty, triggering with the awareness of your <laughs> <laughs> um, So, yeah. Uh, if you want to um, increase your chances of, of dreaming and dreaming lucidly, just recognizing that you're dreaming, um, which is the first step, because um, from there you can start stabilizing your dreaming and start making it a practice, but you have to kind of get your foot in the door. Mm -hmm. So... Um, what I would recommend is uh, that it's, it's, it's novelty. It's about novelty in life and seeking novelty. So that means maybe reading, watching, doing something fresh and stimulating. Stimulating is, is the key word there because when the brain is lighting up and uh, you know, is, is sort of going more towards strain, um, you, uh, more of your brain is... is how do I say, you're, you're gathering more input stimulus from your environment. Okay. And so, um, you know, that's, it's a more expansive moment in time. Um, sometimes when we're, say, walking through the aisles of a grocery store or, um, you know, just watching TV or, or doing something that doesn't take any mental capacity, we're not really experiencing very much. Not very much is, is getting let in. It's like, um, it's like as, a, as if you're the iris um, in your eye, mm -hmm. um, is is really constricted. It's not letting in that light. In the same way, the brain during those times are isn't letting in much um, much capacity for for stimulation, much capacity for life. So so literally, you're um, when you stimulate your brain, you're experiencing that moment in time um, in a much more expansive way, and um, and those expansive moments in life are are the moments that. Um, that will will trigger the, the the sense of of lucidity, the sense of this like dreamlike quality of mm -hmm. of of the waking life and and of the the dreaming life, um, you know, uh, 
following that. So, um, yeah, and and think about that before bed. You know, give that a try. Like, um, if you're reading a really good book, um, maybe try try going through what what it was that you read in that morning in in the book. Um, so, whatever it is that it, that was exciting you that day, um, just just give it a quick thought. Um, the worst thing that can happen if you you know you're trying to you start reading new things, you're watching new things, you're doing fresh things, you're talking to new people. Um, you can you can try. Um, walking a different way to work or school, you know, just just take that different path. Like go around the building the other way. Um, go through a different door. Walk around the back. Do whatever it is to just break the monotony. Right. Uh, and what's the worst thing that can happen? Right. You uh, you live a more interesting life. Basically, <laughs> it, it it'll be fun anyway. Um, but if it does work, then um, it it will help to trigger um, lucidity. So, for example, um, the other day. I was biking down this really steep hill. Um, I, th- like you can either take your bike and walk it down the stairs, which is totally lame, or <laughs> <laughs> or uh, go over this hill side that you're not supposed to go down. And so, like, I get the sense of like free falling, and it's it's a blast every time. I love doing it. Um, but I uh, I decided to kind of go go towards this even steeper side than usual. And I thought about dreaming the second that I I lifted up my bike and, and kind of went, went off this, this, this hillside. Um, and I felt that sense of weightlessness and, um, and I, I just really took in the moment, you know, it was like, um, I was thinking about other things, thinking about my, about my day and things. And, and in that moment I really had to be conscious, you know, cause I didn't want to crash my bike. That would, that would hurt. Um, right. and, and so, so my brain was, you know, was lit up kind of thing. And, um, and so then that night right before bed, I thought about, I thought about that um, that experience of of weightlessness and, and going down that hill, and when um, then not long after that, I found myself on my bike and I was going down a hill and experiencing weightlessness, and I I thought, oh wait a minute, this must be a dream because um, because I, I this is this is a novel thing. I remember that the last time I felt this way, um, I was doing this in an effort to increase my lucid dreaming practice. Wow. Yeah, and so it triggered a lucid dream, and and um, I just I basically just flew away and and enjoyed the rest of my the rest of my experience. Ah, oh, that's so awesome! So, oh, cool. how long did it take you though before you know? Because you said it is a practice. How long did it take you before you started to um, be able to do this more frequently? Well, um, I didn't start with with uh, the understanding that novelty triggers the awareness of dreaming. So I just, I was doing it the old fashioned way, just, uh, just intending, um, just -hmm. intending before bed. And then also just trying to be aware in my waking life. So, you know, walking around and, and just whenever the thought came to me, is this a dream? I'd say, okay, is this a dream? And how do I know? And I'd spend, you know, the, the five seconds it takes to, to sort of try to hop out of my seat or, um, you know, test the, test um, reading something, you know, reading right. um, words or um, just any of those things that I, I mentioned in the, in the first podcast um, and just, just make sure that it's not a dream. And the more times a day um, you do that, then eventually you'll, 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 you'll be dreaming. <laughs> do you find like, because I can imagine having even just one lucid dream could be so powerful, even if you just have it by accident, right? Um, totally. But if you make a practice of it and you start to experience it more and more and you start to become more confident in your ability to do it, and then also you said that that bleeds into waking life as well. 
with the understanding that like waking life is kind of just like another type of dream <laughs> maybe do you find that your power increase that you feel more empowered or that you what you're able to do in lucid dreams um is like more intense or more powerful or can you no? say that again sorry i'm just wondering with the fact that you have more experience with it now and you've accomplished i guess accomplished quote unquote being able to dream lucidly, like kind mm. of on the regular. Do yeah. you find that you, your sense of empowerment with that has increased? Like, is it a more uh, powerful experience for you? Are you, are you able to like take it deeper because you're able to do it so regularly? For sure. Um, if you, for sure. Mm. Definitely, definitely that, that experience and the practice helps. But also I would say um, it's mostly about the practice because when I, you know, I was talking about the, how I go through the phases where I, I'm dreaming constantly and then the phases where I'm more stressed and, and maybe um, I'll, I'll go a week without, without having one. Um, so when I'm, when I'm, I'm in the, the first period where I'm having them a lot, I, they're, they're all much deeper and, and that kind of thing. And I feel more of a sense of confidence. So it's this, mm -hmm. it's this confidence that it's, it's the same reason why some people are are good to talk to people and put themselves out in social situations. Um, it's 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 really the same kind of confidence. It's just about this thing. Um, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that you can't just suddenly out of the blue experience something completely profound and you know like something that would make regular lucid dreamers envy you. <laughs> you know when you tell right. it at a at a lucid dreaming party, which I I hope those exist. Oh my gosh, there should be. That should <laughs> be a should. thing. Maybe in your dream, you can make that one happen. Hey, that's a good idea, yeah. <laughs> that's a good idea. A dream <laughs> party in a lucid dream. <laughs> a dream within a dream. Oh, the rabbit hole is never ending. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> I feel like these kind of concepts just make my brain explode. And I'm like, I need a minute to like recover almost from that thought of be like dreaming that in a dream with other people dreaming it in a dream and then there's that whole other concept of you know um if you are interacting with people in a dream you said it's only ever just in a part of yourself but I'm like but is it like yeah. <laughs> you know for example like if you talk to your parents in a dream or things like that like is there not some sort of do you think there's like a, maybe some sort of connection happening with like a part of their soul or or definitely not um as what do you like sorry you this is like so <laughs> slippery okay right, one, one uh, more. One yeah more no it's okay so if you're if you are you know say you wanted to heal a relationship and you know with your parents or with you yeah. know with somebody where things have been difficult and you, you're not talking to them in real waking life and you go to sleep and you have this lucid dream where you you are you're able to become lucid and you're able to um speak to them and and sort of change address some things that you need to address and attempt to do some healing work. So yeah. before you said the concept was that you're not actually speaking to them, you're speaking to just a part of yourself that is, you know, appearing in their form. But I'm like, yeah. is that not, there's a part of me that wonders if that's not actually still connecting on some level. To that, to that other person. Yeah. To that other person. I'm just yeah. curious what your thought is about that. Um, yeah, I, 
this this brings up a whole can of worms, and I'm stoked to, to get into them. No, do not apologize. This, yeah, I love this can of worms. These are my favorite worms. Um, so it brings up the, the question of contacting other beings through dreaming in general. Um, so it, that brings up the question of self versus other and what it means for one consciousness to interact with another consciousness. So um, just as an example, um, one overcomes distance to get from point A to point B, right? And, and so the separation between point A and point B in, in I'm talking physical distance now, yeah. um, which could be where I'm standing versus where you're standing um, when we're having a conversation, let's say, um, the, that distance separates us and we can be said to be separate points, point A and point B. Um, but, and, and so uh, why, or like, what, what is that distance? Well, one can just say that one needs to overcome distance to get from point A to point B, and therefore they're separate points. Mm-hmm. But how, how do we overcome the distance? There are so many different ways to do that um, through our senses. So take touch, for example. That's, um, that makes movement from point A to point B necessary, at least so that they can touch um, right. physically. But if you take smell, um, there's a different proximity. Um, and you also need air or some other medium. And that's a variable between beings, such as um, uh, sharks who can smell in the water, but humans can't, right? Um, uh, humans need air to smell, uh, to use, to uh, smell up those particles. <laughs> wow, to smell uh, the mud. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Not a very scientific way to say that's it. Right? Um, and then sight requires light, but the distance can be much greater. The proximity can be um, expanded um, in, in comparison to smell um, and certainly in comparison to touch. And um, a medium is not required as it is in smell because light can travel through a vacuum. So you can see somebody you know, through a vacuum. And all these different ways are, um, um, these different senses are ways of overcoming a distance between point A and point B. So... Um, so if a conscious entity exists in point A and another conscious entity exists in point B, they are separate insofar as um, one needs to overcome a distance um, to get from one to the other. And so they can be said to be separate. But uh, the interesting thing about our five senses, you know, I, I talk about three of them, but our five senses is that they evolved organically so that organisms could interact with their environment in a way that will propagate life, right? So... Um, while it's scientifically questionable whether or not human beings in our current state of evolution have developed a sense for detecting waves or particles of pure thought, it would be outlandish to assert that this sort of sense is an impossibility in our universe. Right. right. Yeah, just because of because of proximity and, and yeah, the fact I mean, that there are variables in that state. Yeah, and even with the quantum physics, they say that time and space are an illusion. So although it, to me, in my experience right now as a human, they're very real. Um, but that's like, you know, quantum physicists are saying that time and space don't exist. Then on some level, even though it's a little too big for my brain, <laughs> I trust that. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, well, the, so the idea of time and space they're, they're crucial to our, our reality because yeah. our reality is our five senses um, which are taken in by our sense organs and processed through the brain and then our ego which exists, it, it basically just 
you know, ego is the prefrontal cortex, essentially, if you want to like make it, just make it easy. Um, and those things get filtered through it. And we say, ah, I am separate from everything else because um, I have to, you know, I have to overcome this distance to get from point A to point B. And I am point A and everything else is a set of point Bs. Um, and, and, so, and so we, we assume that we are uh, separate from everything else, right? Um, but so, so that paradigm, you know, smell, taste, touch, all these things, it takes time because, uh, because there's this input and then there's the comprehension of the input and that's the experience. So experience by definition takes time. And so all of those things are part of this one paradigm. And I, I like to call that the ego paradigm because it's, it's a, um, it's like a, it's a, it's a, it's a circle of thought where the ego says, well, I am separate from everything because essentially I am separate from everything. And it's, it's like, yes, that's technically true, but also what, a, what else is going on? Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. The ego is yeah. kind of dumb in that way. So, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's something to think about. Like, uh, the only reason that people doubt the capability of, um, here, let, let, let me say it this way. Um, so going back to, uh, like how it would be totally ridiculous to assert that a, a sense organ that can, that can sense pure thought would be, would be ridiculous. Um, or it would be ridiculous to say that it's a, an impossibility. I mean, right. in our universe, yeah. um, well, as far as the universe is concerned, based on the vastness of time that has elapsed since the Big Bang, um, and the human species is, is just this speck of dust in a sandbox, in a world of sandboxes, beaches, oceans, you know, just a lot of sand going on, um, and, and we're just this tiny speck of dust. It's like we're, we're nothing. So if we can agree that uh, some sense organ that senses pure thought is theoretically possible, we must also agree that it is statistically unlikely that it doesn't exist, at least somewhere in the universe. Right? <laughs> okay, so, I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so for a minute, for a minute, let's let's give um, let's give let's uh, we scientists say let's give the mystics the benefit of the doubt. Let's say that we already have such a higher sense, and let's call it intuition. Um, so what would it be? It would be receiving input directly through higher senses and translating it to a message that our brain can understand. So that goes back to the ego paradigm, right? What does that mean to translate a message um, in a way that the brain can understand? Well, it would translate it in a way that, um, that the five senses can, can agree on and that um, the frontal cortex can say, ah, okay, I'm separate from everything else and I just received this message. But there's something higher going on. Right. Um, in the same way that um, there's something, there's so much more light, you know, coming into the eyeballs than the eyeballs can see. We see this tiny little sliver of the total light spectrum, um, which is just, you know, electromagnetic radiation. And all we see is a rainbow, which when you look at that graphed out, it's like this tiny sliver of, of all that one can see. And, um, you know, even um, other animals like butterflies can see more more than that, you know, some things can see UV light and we, we create right. um, other devices that can, can see, for lack of a better word, you know, they can experience, they can receive the input of, uh, of lower vibrational magnetic waves and higher vibrational magnetic waves and, and really see a lot more of this light spectrum. Um, so just because our eyes don't see it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Right, exactly. Uh, um, 
So I think that the only reason that people doubt this capability, at least the potential for this capability, is that uh, people are so hung up on thinking that we're all separate beings, but we're only separate in a paradigm where we agree that we are our body and that that includes our five bodily senses, right? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. My so mind is just getting like blown open right now because a lot of the concepts that I've been swimming around in in the New Age community are being like um, explained by you right now in a way that just like makes them so real. Well, I'm glad. Thank you. <laughs> Keep going. Um, yeah, so since, since we are in different locations with different bodies, of course we seem separate because we're in different bodies. The bodies are separate. But if it is possible that a sense organ which senses pure thought can exist, then we are suddenly connected in a way that transcends space and time, and theoretically the body as well. Because with thought, point A and point B exist in the same location at the same time. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> so, wow. yeah, it's, it's, it's fun to think about. Um, and if it stops being fun to think about, then don't think about it, you know, because, no, it's so <laughs> because, great because the rabbit hole is, is a, it's the deep. rabbit hole is real and it's deep, yeah. but you know, and these are concepts that, you know, the whole concept of intuition and all of that, like all of this stuff that you just kind of quantified basically for me. And I'm like, Oh, that makes sense rationally to my logical mind now. And I'm somebody that values that greatly. It makes me feel a lot better when I yeah. can really break something down like that and understand it. So th that's amazing. Um, I really appreciate that. And uh, it just made it so that you just did all the work for me. Because <laughs> usually that's when my head starts hurting is if I go on that journey myself. So um, thanks. That was a nice shortcut. So well, thank you for letting me ramble on. Yeah, on no, stuff that, that was I amazing. <laughs> um, I can't wait to like type that out and put into like a little quote and put it on social media as well. Like just like that snippet. Because um, yeah. I think people are going to be like. Um, but anyhow, that relates back to the original question about communicating with somebody else in a dream um or um you said uh, contacting other beings so right. when you initially said that i was like picturing like angels or guides or aliens or something but that can just literally mean your ex-boyfriend <laughs> or <laughs> your your dad or um if you want to go really deep down the rabbit hole like you said your childhood self because right. there is no, if there's no space, then there also, and there is no time according to quantum physics, which maybe you'll be able to make me understand that too. I don't really get it, but I accept <laughs> it. Um, but yeah, there are like past versions of us that need healing as well. So you can theoretically go back in and, and work with those pieces of your consciousness or pieces of your being. Is, am I taking this too far? <laughs> No, <laughs> I'm like, cause now we're talking about other beings and now I'm like, what about your past you? Is that, is that like a separate being or like, you know, so you can go back and heal those things, but, but let's just simplify it for one minute. Then is there like an example that you can give me of an experience that you've had or, or even just a concept of, um, what it would be like to contact another being in a lucid dream? Let's well, just so, get real for a second. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that that brings up the point that there is no conclusive scientific evidence of, of uh, superconscious thought. Um, and by, by that I just mean that we haven't figured out an empirical way of, of understanding where a thought comes from, how a thought is synthesized, and, and how it's made. So um, you remember last time we were talking about um, that uh, Kakuli's benzene ring? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so... 
um, so uh, it was like uh, Cormac McCarthy was talking about it in an interview with Oprah about right. how um, uh, Kakuli was trying to to figure out what the uh, molecular structure of a uh, of, of benzene was, and so right. he, he was working on the problem and he fell asleep and he dreamt of uh, Arabarus, which is that snake that's biting its tail that symbolizes infinity, gotcha. and um, and so you know that makes a ring, and when he woke up he he. He somehow recognized or intuited or just had the idea that um, benzene was a ring, um, that the molecular shape of, of benzene was a ring. And so um, there was this uh, idea that um, you know, the unconscious mind is older than language. And so instead of the unconscious mind just telling Kakuli that, um, hey, it's a, it's, a, it's a ring, you know, benzene's a ring, um, it had to show him in a way that was sort of embedded in his in his archetypal mind, which is potentially you know uh, somehow in our DNA. It's somehow in our uh, our our instincts to to understand our universe because we are we are a piece of it. And um, you know it's like if if the universe is indeed a fractal, then included in every cell, you know, included in every DNA strand is is this fundamental uh, function of life. And so if you if you have an answer, I mean, if you have a question then the answer also exists simultaneously in the way that uh, yin and yang exist simultaneously, in the way that being and non-being exist simultaneously. Um, you can't have one without the other. And so, um, so yeah, it, it brings up this question of, uh, again, what does it mean for something to be separate from you? Mm-hmm. And, and also, what does it mean to intuit a thought from some external source versus to have the thought yourself? Um, it's like how uh, education, you know, we think that, oh, you have to go to a, a, a teacher to learn. But what an educator is, you know, it comes from, from the, the word educo, which means to draw forth from within. So the, the role of an educator is, is just to essentially inspire um, the student to recognize his true potential, which is infinite. It's, uh, if you're teaching him the, the student math, um, it's to inspire the student to, to recognize that math is everything and that um, you, you need only uh, find the words to, to speak this truth that you already know. Um, and, and it's true in, in everything, in philosophy, in, in physics, in, in anything. The answers come from within, um, but the synthesis of those answers, need to, need to, they need friction. And for friction to happen, two things need to rub together. And so there needs to be whether it's an illusion or it's some kind of truth, um, there needs to be some kind of an, uh, an external source or uh, a point A and a point B um, to rub together in order to synthesize this, this new thought. So whether or not Kakuli, uh, you know, had this, like, whether, whether the thought existed someplace in some locationless location outside of him before he had the idea, um, or if it was... Uh, you know, somewhere in his brain, uh, and you know, we're, so we're talking about you know locations right. in, in a way, but um, it's just a metaphor um, that that then it just came forth from inside of him. Either way, um, you have a qu- a question in in life. If you ask a question and you're willing to receive the answer, the answer will come because <laughs> right because if you create a question, there is an answer to that question. <laughs> Awesome. I'm like, are you, did you turn, how old are you now? (laughs) I'm 23. I was like, did you turn 23 yet? Yeah, mind blown, mind blown. Cool. 
So um, one way to experience, to get information or to receive the answer to any questions that we might ask or get resolution to anything that may be unresolved is through this lucid dreaming process, especially even if it involves other people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah certainly. So who have you, have you contacted personally, um, other beings in dreams? Oh, sure. I mean, um, the, uh, the healing trauma-wise, I've um, definitely had some good, <laughs> good dreaming contact with my, my younger self. Um, and what you said earlier about, you know, is your, your little self a, a different being? I would say yes. Uh, I think so. Insofar as, as uh, you, you know, Rebecca and, and I, Dallas, are different beings, so is Dallas uh, 23-year-old, and so is Dallas, you know, the five-year-old, mm-hmm. um, because, you know, every seven years, every cell in your body um, regenerates, right. it turns over entirely, so so as far as physicality is involved, um, I'm not in the same place, I'm not in the same time, and I'm I'm none of the same matter, so the only thing that's the same is, is the story, you know, um, yeah. Yeah. Which, which is barely even true, because memory is so faulty, so, so for sure, you know, that's, it's a, uh, in, in the grand scheme of things, um, our past interacts with our present in the present moment and in the present moment only. Um, so, so we are interacting with our past. Um, you know, all those waves that echo out from our, from our past presence. In other words, you know, each moment is the present moment. But um, as they pass, they become our past. And um, we are still interacting with all of those waves. So the the experience of life is like this compression of waves, um, as if you know a um, a plane is breaking the, the the speed barrier, or you know the um, and and it's all those waves are building up, building up, building up, building up. Um, that's this like weight of life. It just builds up and builds up and builds up, and um, kind of jades people sometimes. But the beauty of it is that you have all all of that um, all of those waves to interact with at once. That's the beauty of of sort of the, the ego story is that, you know, yes, it, it leads us to think that we are not good enough or, or to overblow our ego or, or whatever, but, but how beautiful is it that, that every, every, um, every person that we are in, in this great line, you know, this infinite line of, of repeating experience, that, that we have all of those to interact with all at once. I think it's a, I, I think it's a really uplifting thought. Yeah, it's a really big thought. It's a really big thought, and it is really powerful um, because I feel like, yeah, all of these kind of things you don't think about on the regular, and if we were just a little bit more aware or kept this stuff a little bit closer, uh, we would be so much more empowered. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. totally. Yeah. Yeah. And then also, you know, um, my grandma, I I remember when I was a little kid, my, my grandma passed away, and I loved my grandma. I mean, she's just, she was the coolest. And, uh, and my mom, my mom told me that I could interact with her in a dream, um, if I, if I had that intention. So, uh, you know, go mom. That's definitely a big, big ups for that. But, uh, yeah. um, and, um, and then I tried, I remember as a kid, I remember trying and, and it didn't really work. And then, um, years later when I started lucid dreaming, um, I, I then, I put out that intention and then like, boom, it happened. And, I, and it was, it was such a moving experience to get to sit down with my grandma again Oh and, my god. Yeah, and you know you can you can uh And you were lucid. Yeah, totally. Oh my god. Oh yeah, so beautiful. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, and this is like a whole other thing. It's like people that are no longer here with us. Like you literally cannot speak to them in regular daily waking life. And it's just like, oh, that's just so powerful. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, and again, it, it all all that interaction is, is is interacting with yourself. And and uh, and so me interacting with my grandma while she was alive, it it really was me interacting with myself in that time. You know, it, it it may seem a little bit lonely to think of it that way, but it's it's not so lonely. It's just a way of describing um, what's happening. It's not a way of uh, putting off the meaning. You know, sloughing off the meaning. Um, all that meaning is still there. Um, and so, so when I saw her again, she it, it it was it was no different, you know, um, and and experiences like that have definitely helped me to be more a little more whole in this um, incarnate consciousness, you know. Um, no and kidding, God, that's so healing. Totally. Totally. Wow. Wow. Um, thank you for sharing that and. Um, that's just so beautiful. And I even just being reminded um, of the possibilities of those kind of things, and especially just being reminded that everything that we encounter is an extension of ourselves takes the sting out of a lot of things. Yeah, it really does. Uh, at least for me personally, I can't speak for everyone else. But thank you for that. Definitely like um, is I'm taking that to heart in just my life right now my waking life right now and it's yeah. it's my whole energy shifts when i hear something like that and i take it in so yeah it's powerful because the applications for everything that you've just talked about um go beyond go, you know dreaming and going to sleep it's you can you can kind of bring it into your waking life as well um which we talked yeah. about in part one but um <laughs> i know that you also have a very busy day and I don't know if there if there's anything else that we didn't get to <laughs> that you wanted to. Oh sure, I mean I, we could keep opening up cans of worms all day. There's like but, an infinite uh, cans of cans of worms, but um, <laughs> uh, yeah, but we can we can certainly uh, we can certainly wrap it up if if. Uh, yeah, I sure. Mean, whatever, whatever works for you. I'm I'm super easy. I just want to cool. didn't want you to you know have somewhere to be and then yeah well maybe maybe i'll just i'll just give one uh kind of kind of pointer i think yeah. i think last time i talked about how to fly as sort of like my last piece so mm -hmm. um i want to talk about just uh lucid manifesting 101 yes um, so uh I, I call this action feedback so it's a, a strategy um that i tried out uh or I, i've tried out a lot and it works really well so Sometimes it can be difficult to harness the power of one's own mind in a dream, and so heuristics can be useful. Um, you know, I, I think something that'll it'll remind you of of, uh, of of your own power in a dream. Um, so, for example, in one dream, um, I decide to manifest something um, to to get my abilities abilities warmed up. Um, so, um, I, I recognize that I'm dreaming. But if I were to just, you know, bust up through the roof, I might wake up or just, you know, the, the dream oh might collapse. Oh, my God, lucid you know stretching. <laughs> yeah, totally. That's, that's hilarious. Yeah. I keep going. That's amazing. So I start with something small. So, um, so for example, um, <laughs> I'll test my capacity for manipulation versus stability. Um, so, you know, you have a certain capacity 
It's like uh, it's like you're playing a video game. You have a certain like energy bar, and you have to let that energy bar refill before you can do your special move, kind of thing. So, <laughs> so um, in one dream, I'm in a house, um, and I I manifest a cat by calling to it. I say, "Here, kitty, kitty." I say, "I don't see any cats bef- before, but um, I'm just in the house, and I, all I say is here, kitty, kitty,' which which um, which says to to my brain, there are indeed cats here, as if it's just a statement of fact, right? And so two white cats come running toward me along this carpeted floor, and, um, and, and, and there they are, right? So I created them, but they came to me. So that's, it's a nice bridging of the gap between, um, like, how do you manifest something? Um, and so uh, we could call this, this method um, the action feedback theory model of manifestation, um, which I, I, I just borrowed from the facial feedback theory in psychology. Okay. <laughs> but I like it. It sounds so official. <laughs> it sounds really, really, it's gut swag. I like thanks, it. Thanks. Appreciate it. So, um, so this is my own term, meaning the contents of a dream conform to the actions of the dreamer. Um, okay. So, so in another dream, for example, I'm in the backseat of, uh, of this driverless car. It's a, the car is driving down the street but nobody's, nobody's in. I'm in the backseat, which means I don't have um, control you know, over, over, my, over my destiny, basically. Um, and, but I recognize that I'm dreaming. And so I want to stabilize myself um, as opposed to you know, trying to get all emotional and, and think, oh, i got to drive this, this car. You know? um, and so instead, I, I, um, I crawl to the front and with this thought in my head, ah, oh, I'm looking for my lost dumbbell which is totally random, a dumbbell you would never find in a car. Um, you I mean, on not... purpose came up with something this random. Right, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Um, or it's, it's, it's something that could be in a car, so it's easy to see, it's easy to imagine. It's not like an elephant in a, in a golf ball, inside of a golf ball or something. Um, it's, like a, it's something that's easy to imagine, but also is, is very novel. And so um, by assuming that it's somewhere in the car, I eventually do find it. And I, I pull it out of the shadows underneath, underneath the seats that I'm crawling over. And um, as I pull the dumbbell out, I recognize that I'm totally lucid. You know, before it was like hard for me to crawl and things. I was definitely in the dream. I pull out this dumbbell, and now I'm lucid. And um, I put my head up through the top of the, the car ceiling as if I'm a ghost. And I, whoosh, I shoot up through the top of the car, and I'm, I'm lucid now. So, wow. Yeah, totally. So, um, and then another, another way to do that would be, um, I had this other dream where I'm walking and, uh, and I was walking over by my house, totally thought that I wasn't dreaming. Um, it was just another, another, another random time where I was trying to see if I was dreaming, you know, just testing it. And, um, it was really windy and that's what gave me the thought like, man, it is never this windy. I was in Boston at the time and I thought it's never this windy, uh, around here. Like I can really lean into it and it's really pushing back against my weight. And so I thought, Huh. Well, I'll give it a shot. You know, and there's there's people walking all around and things. I'm kind of thinking, you know, I don't want to be too embarrassed by like hopping up and, and pretending like I'm flying, but but ah, fuck it. And and so <laughs> I like, shoot up into the sky, like a hundred feet up into the sky, and I'm, I just have this big old grin on my face. I'm like, woohoo, you know. Oh and, my uh, gosh. So I, I'm I'm falling now. I'm, I I stop myself from flying, and I just let myself fall, 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 and boom, um, when my head hits the earth. Um, I go, I sink in through the earth and into a new dream and it's a, a dream that I've had before and I, I get up and I, I experience the dream and you know I have a dream guide and I, the way that I stabilize myself in that one is I look into a mirror and looking into a mirror is very, um, 
it's a it's an intense thing to do in a dream. Um, I yeah, it's it's an intense thing to do, and uh, I see my face, and and it's hard for me to just look at it. It's like it's really hard because the dream is trying to sort of warp around this right. image of me seeing my face, but but I um, I smile at myself and I say you know I tell myself I I, I say I, I love you, and and I I keep saying it until I really mean it, and and. Boom! Like talk about a good way to stabilize your own autonomy as a human being. Um, definitely doing that in waking life, but then doing it in the dream is is uh, is is amazing as well. Do you and do mirror work in real life? In waking I have. Life? Okay. I have. Right. So that's where this. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. That's where it mm -hmm. came from. Um, and uh, and and then from there, I I, I just had this uh, you know amazing amazing dream um, where I was extremely lucid and I, I learned things that. That maybe I I couldn't have learned on my own. It's difficult to say. Um, again, going back to that that thought of what does it mean to have a thought? Where does that come from? Um, what is it? What are the two the point A and the point B um, that are that are rubbing together to synthesize? Where are they coming from? But it definitely felt like my dream guide was was showing me things. You know, whether I I created her, whether she was my sock puppet and I was running through a play, um, or or whether it was some kind of uh, of of divine experience. You know, nobody can really say, but um, uh, but I you prefer. got so much out of it. Yeah, exactly. It was just a. So how yeah. could it not be a divine experience? <laughs> exactly. Well, it's all right. so divine. Right. Wow. That's amazing. Well, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm like, why didn't I ask you to start? To, you know, I, my favorite is the the actual dreams that you have shared, like this, and in the last podcast where. There was like an elf that stole your shoes or like, it's just funny. This is great. But I like, this is so funny because we have these crazy experiences and we don't even like, we just forget about them immediately, usually upon waking up. But like all yeah. of us have every night when we go to sleep, we have these like crazy, yeah, psychedelic <laughs> crazy, like amazing experiences. I don't know why we don't talk about them more. Yeah. Honestly. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. And so, so tell us quickly about your documentary that you're making. Cool. Um, yeah, so it's called My Key to Happy. And it's a traveling documentary series seeking to define, maintain, and increase quality of life. Um, we're doing so by understanding how culture, lifestyle, and current events especially inform a person's approach to living a happy life. So basically, the, you know, in a word, it's on happiness. Um, but the idea, because you know, there's a lot of stuff out there that's on happiness. This one is different. Um, in, it, the idea is to provide a platform for ideas about living happily in the modern day um, by, by interviewing people with uh, different lifestyle choices and philosophies and especially people who are interacting um, with, with modern, you know, current events. So um, I'll be in Europe this summer for a few months um, shooting with, with my videographer, Corinne. And um, the idea... Uh, so just some, some examples of who we'll be, be interviewing. We're starting in Greece, um, and we'll be interviewing uh, Syrian refugees, um, oh hopefully, hopefully Afghani and, and, and Iraqi as well. Um, we'll see when we get there, you know. But, um, um, and also NGO workers um, about the refugee crisis uh, in an effort to understand how events like these that have such a profound impact on the human spirit, um, whether it be triumph or tragedy or, or what have you, um, shape one's definition and approach to happiness. Um, and I, it's going to be it's going to be interesting and really exciting. 
um, I've, it's, it's who knows how it's, how it's going to unfold or, or what I'm going to learn um, kind of thing. But um, we'll also be interviewing you know, more lighthearted subjects, of course, like um, people who will share their lifestyle choices and philosophies that deviate from the norm, like minimalists, anarchists, um, the couch surfing community, and, and much more. <laughs> wow. I'm so excited to see this. I'm so uh, excited me too. that you're doing it. <laughs> like the whole po point of like even the, the reason that you got into doing lucid dreaming is because you're trying, you're looking for a way to be happier, right? So right, in right. both the, the dream state and then also having that bleed through into the waking state. So it's all connected. And I just, you're just taking this work to the next level and just like getting right to the meat of it by doing this. It's so amazing. So Thank by you. the end of the summer, the whole thing's going to be filmed. And then when do you expect it to be uh, ready for, uh, for the public? And how can people, like, where do they sign the mailing list so they can hear about it when it's finished? Well, I can't say when it'll be finished or, or, um, or necessarily what it's going to look like or, or anything. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, uh, it's going to be an explorative process. So uh, a lot of it is going to be, it's going to inform itself. And um, that's amazing. Yeah, so, that's kind of like gonna this podcast. I'm like, let's yeah. just talk and record it. <laughs> yeah. So that's beautiful. So at the bottom of my homepage um, on the website, there is a, a mailing list thing. It says, why can't we be friends? And um, if you subscribe to that, I'll send a very rare but uh, hopefully poignant um, <laughs> <laughs> messages about uh, about about either um, the music or the documentary. Um, to give an idea of how often I send these, um, I haven't yet sent one, and it's been, I've, I've been uh, you know, working on the mailing list since 2012, so uh, don't worry about spam. Uh, the, other thing is, uh, <laughs> the other thing is I'll be blogging and podcasting weekly from, um, from the website, so the blog will be up pretty soon, and, um, and hopefully links to the podcast as well. So. Um, hopefully, um, one can see how the adventure and the experience will unfold as it happens. That the podcast will be called "My Key to Happy" as well. So, um, yeah, that's about that. Um, and for everyone listening, you can find all the information about this documentary film on happiness as it unfolds at right. whoisdallasthornton.com because that's who we're speaking with today, Dallas Thornton, and you can get his. Mm. You can get his music there as well. He recently uh, released a record, which I, I have and I love. It's, it's available on Bandcamp. It's on iTunes. Um, and it's called In Case It Rains. And he just shot a video also for his song Diamonds and Gold, which we will play you out with. In yeah. just a minute. Um, is there anything else that you have to share with, uh, with the world today, Dallas? Um, let's see. Uh, Final words. Mo so most things are going to be on, on whosdallasthorn.com. Um, oh, the, the video that I just shot is like a, a live uh, in-studio version of, of the song. So, oh, cool. Um, so, yeah, it's cool. A bunch of my, my friends and fellow musicians from, from Berkeley. It was kind of like a... A last, uh, a last hurrah, at least for me, um, and it's like uh, shot by a good friend of mine as well, and um, engineered by a good friend of mine. So it was, it was a, it was just a really beautiful experience. Um, so, but just so that you know, the audio isn't going to be the same. It's, it's not going to be the same as the records. It's a little different arrangement and stuff. So it'd be Even cool to better. compare. Yeah, totally. Um, 
And uh, let's see uh, what I would say this time around. I'd say life is a dream to be dreamed from the driver's seat. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking also it would be cool to make a meme of some kind because, you know, you know me. I don't, I, I, I am just, I struggle so much with the whole social media thing. I'm just, uh, you know, uh, is it, I think it's politically incorrect now to say that I'm social media retarded, but uh, whatever it's okay. the, you can say anything you want. On <laughs> whatever the politically correct term that is, quote me on that one. Cause, <laughs> but, uh, but it, it would be, uh, it is you who rows your boat. You're the captain and the stream. So be damn sure you're merry for life is but a dream. Did you write that? <laughs> yeah, I'm just coming up with that. <laughs> you just wrote it right now? No, 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 right before we had our, our talk. Okay, I'm, I'm super into that. So um, <laughs> I will make a meme of it. Hold me yes. to it. <laughs> All right. I'll do that. Um, and that, and I'll, I'll also do more than make a meme. I'll take it to heart and keep that in my thoughts today and hopefully well past today as well. Mm. Yeah. So who is DallasThornton.com? That's where you can find him. You can find us at EverydaySeeker.net. Thank you all so much for being with us today. And um, I hope you have a beautiful week wherever you are. Be merry. <laughs> Thank you so much, Dallas. When you Thank you. Me, Be well. Take care. All right, you too. Thanks, Rebecca. Bye. You wish you didn't miss me alone is all I know Just me my diamonds and my gold And in time the evening light chases the sun away from night Liars love and lovers lie where one can't Love one must pass by Now I got diamonds and I got gold Just not the kind that you're looking for So, sweetest friend, travel roads Down your road, on your own